0: Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti. Scott Durgeson is my guest this week, who took personal heartbreak and transformed it into loving service. Please stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Losanti, and Scott Gergerson joins me now. Scott is a certified financial planner and president of Trivium Wealth Management. He'll be speaking with us about losing loved ones and turning grief into a life of service and helping others. Scott is very involved with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and he'll talk to us about that and the importance of raising awareness about blood cancers. Scott is also the father. To his daughter ella and son jack he's here with us today to talk about the faith and values that matter the most to him how the loss of his parents changes outlook on life and how he's healing by helping others joining me now i'm so pleased to welcome to personally speaking scott gergerson scott thank you for coming on our program and let me just ask you from the outset everybody deals with the grief and loss in different ways your initial response when you recognize you had lost mom and then ultimately dad how did you grieve? Was there a right or wrong way for you to grieve? Uh, did you go for help in terms of trying to figure out what do I do with my sadness? Tell us about the experience of grief when you lose two people who are so central to your life as your mom and dad.
1: Sure, sure. So as you know, Monsignor, I lost both of my parents to uh, to blood cancer within about three years of each other, yeah. and um, you know, grief's a funny thing. I, I think it's kind of like one of those things that you don't really know that you're in it until uh, after the fact. And um, you know, when my mother first got diagnosed and, and you know, was going through treatment and, um, and, and ultimately passed, um, I didn't really have much time to grieve. You know, you're, you know, I found myself so involved in, you know, the medical aspect of it and, you know, trying to do the next thing to, um, you know, to prolong her life that um, grief really wasn't an option uh, for me. Um, when she passed, um, you know, it, it kind of took on a whole new meaning because I felt the need to kind of take care of my family, take care of my father, take care of my sister and, um, you know, fill the role or the void that, that my mom left. Uh, she was a very um, uh, commanding person and a wonderful leader. And um, mm. she was, you know, um, the matriarch and sometimes the patriarch of the family as well. So uh, so I kind of slipped into that role. And, um, you know, grief uh, for me was more so, um, you know, helping others and, and helping out my family.
0: Now, how long was Lorraine, your mom, how long was she sick for before she passed?
1: So from uh, the time she was diagnosed, which was probably in the fall of 2017, I'm sorry, 2017, she passed in um, August of 2018. So just shy of a year, about 10 months.
0: Did did you know from the outset that it it probably would not end happily, or, or did you always have hope?
1: I always had hope um yeah. we we didn't know um uh her diagnosis and her uh, her cancer her disease was very treatable um she had to go through a, a bone marrow transplant um and she went through that that procedure and even the recovery thereafter very well um she contracted a virus with a very suppressed immune system which ultimately um um you know she didn't survive so yeah throughout you know up until maybe about a week or so uh, until she passed um we were we were very hopeful
0: and and then once she had passed how well how poorly did your your dad handle it
1: dad handled it pretty poorly um yeah. you know my parents were were very much in love until mm-hmm. you know um well always really you know even up until my dad passed um so he handled it, um, you know, poorly. Um, he, um, you know, when you're married to somebody for 40 plus years, you you tend to, you know, have a very symbiotic relationship, um, you know, with each other. And, um, you know, that was a big void uh, for my dad. Uh, he, um, he was depressed. He was sad. He was, you know, lost. Um, so, you know, going back to your, you know, initial question about grief, I found myself very much you know, trying to help him, uh, you know, with his grief, uh, rather than really dealing
0: with my own. Okay. And then ultimately he gets sick and you become caretaker again.
1: Yes. Uh, so dad actually got diagnosed back in 2011. So about, uh, 11 years ago now, um, so he was sick during the whole time, but very manageable. Um, after my mom passed, his disease, um, and I think, you know, with everything else, uh, you know, just the the depression, the, um, you know, the sadness, uh, that certainly, um, you know, compounded for him. And uh, yeah, we, we, um, we became caretakers of, of him for his last uh, few years.
0: Scott Geigerson is my guest. Scott, you know, uh, I've dealt with enough families in 42 years of priesthood to know that uh, when a parent gets sick, there are usually two ways of dealing with this. The, the kid who steps up to the plate and, and does what you did. And then there are others who disappear. I mention that because I'm wondering, what is it in you or did you even know it was in you that had the capacity to say, no, my job is to stay, to work it out, to be here for them and not to pass the buck?
1: That's a great question. I mean, I think um, you know, I'll, 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 you know, give my parents a plug here. I mean, it's, it's how mm. I was raised. Um, you know, we were raised in a family where uh, you know, my dad was a physician, my mother was a, a school teacher. Uh, so they were very much involved in the community and, and civil service, and uh, it was always something that was in, you know, uh, imparted on my sister and myself to just, you know, be good people. Um, yeah. You know, take care of each other, take care of your family um you know we were raised roman catholic as you well know so a lot of the teachings that we got through the church um you know very much aligned with that Mm -hmm. and um when they got sick uh you know well let me take a step back i saw my mother help her parents out my grandparents as Uh they got older um she was very much involved with uh with their um well-being and um taking care of them um so for me, it just wasn't an option. I just didn't really think, uh, you know, one way or the other. Um, I was local. Uh, you know, they were, you know, uh, all virtually in the same, you know, town. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, just to, to, to be there was uh, it was kind of second nature.
0: Now, for those, namely all of our listeners and watchers who will never have the privilege of knowing them, Andrew and Lorraine, why were they people that you love so much? What was there about them that they did right in raising you?
1: Sure. So my uh, my father um, came from a long line of physicians. Uh, my great grandfather, my grandfather and, and my dad were all physicians and um, um, you know, just very much involved in the community where they practiced, which was in Brooklyn. Um, I, I've met people, uh, patients of my father in, in later years that you know have always said that the same thing. you know, he was just such a nice and kind man. He had a great bedside manner as a physician. Um, and he carried that through to how he raised uh, my sister and I. He was a, a very calm and and loving man, um, not um, easily, um, you know, annoyed. Uh, very uh, tolerant, um, and uh, you know, a lot of those those traits uh, were just, you know, so refreshing to uh, to grow up with. He was always present, whether it be sporting events or after school events. Um, he was even present in my adult life, uh, very much so, providing advice. Uh, and my mother um, was uh, kind of the same, but different. My mother was, um, she was she was a phenomenal leader. She was a, um, a school teacher, but then ultimately became a school administrator. Um, she um, grew up uh, in a very rigid uh, household. My grandfather was a World War II veteran and, um, you know, uh, probably up until the day he died, you know, uh, had a military mind about him. And, um, and she grew up very much, um, you know, in that sense. And um, she was the disciplinarian for my sister and I, but um, in a very loving way and and um, always there to, you know, give us whatever tools we needed to succeed. And um, um, they were both, you know, a uh, yin and yang, uh, you know, in their relationship and, and um, you know, both had, you know, extremely positive, you know, qualities about them, which, uh, you know, I think, you know, just in life, Monsignor, you kind of take, you know, the best of what you learn from people and, and try to morph that into your own uh, uh, way of doing things.
0: We're talking to Scott Gegerson. We're talking about the experience of losing both parents in short order and what he did with that in terms of transforming it into loving service to others. But uh, let, let me ask you this question, because I often wonder how each family handles it. But um, my dad passed away in 2005, and uh, then my mother moved in with my sister, who, who took care of her for 14 years. But I sensed along the way that that uh, after 14 years, it was probably not the best thing for uh, my sister's marriage that she was a caretaker all that time. So for the past four years, my 102-year-old mom has been my responsibility. Uh, but I mentioned that to you because I was so aware uh, watching my brother-in-law and my and my sister of the demands of taking care of parents. And when, when you were going through this experience of taking care of your parents, you're a married guy, right? Yes. So, how in the world do you do? You try to make sense of. I got to be there for my parents, but I've also got this new family. How did you handle it, Scott?
1: So it's difficult. It's it's definitely you know uh, you know it takes its toll on a, on a marriage and a relationship. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that. Um, you know you just try to make decisions that uh you know are the best for everybody um uh you know the best for you know uh, the children involved uh the mm-hmm. best for you know uh in my case it was my father um that uh that, that had lived with us um you know it's 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 a balancing act um yeah, you know yeah. we, we would joke sometimes that it was like having you know a third child uh with you know a lot of demands and a lot of you know needs, but. In a very different and and much more you know serious uh, um, um, respect. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's 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 certainly something that um, uh, was difficult, and um, you know yeah, those, no, those ramifications it, it, still
0: live on. No, no doubt about that. We're talking to Scott. Guys. Scott, the the experience I had of um, someone in my parish, wonderful girl named Cara Scannio. Mom suffers from breast cancer and then passes away. And and this beautiful young girl, college girl, decides uh, rather than give into the experience of loss and let it go at that, I'm going to spend uh, a lot of my time doing whatever I can to fundraise and educate on the experience of breast cancer for others. What young Cara is doing, you've been doing for quite a while in terms of trying to help people understand the challenges of the particular cancers that afflicted your parents, doing important fundraising. I'm just wondering, how did you come to the side and what's precisely gave you the energy, devotion and courage to say, I'm not just going to mourn my parents. I'm going to do something positive to help others so that maybe others don't have to suffer the way they did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, good for Kara. I, I, I commend people that do that. And, um, you know, my first introduction into, you know, the, these these various charities that I'm involved with today was um, as a user um, in the sense where uh, the leukemia lymphoma society, as an example, um, you know, I would call up their hotline after a doctor's appointment and, you know, uh, explain to them that I heard this word that has way too many syllables to pronounce. And, and, and they would give me, you know, a, um, a nice email and and an explanation about it and um, just little tidbits. Um, So, um, as my parents disease progressed and as the doctors appointments started to stack up and the confusion and and all that uh, that surrounds it um i used them as a resource and you know once they passed uh i started to say well what can i do now to 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 help others because um, I would have conversations with, uh, you know, friends or, or clients of mine that may be dealing with some sort of disease or cancer. And I would say, you know, this helped me through through the process that I went through. And they said, oh, you know, I, I would never even think of doing that. Um, you know, a small example, Monsignor, is, you know, of course, do this with a physician's uh, uh, consent. But I would ask the doctor if it would be OK if I would record the uh the doctor's appointment this way if there's anything lost or or what have you i can you know research it uh you know on my own time um and in doing that you know i've i've said that to a lot of other people as well and it's been a huge help to them so i started to get this understanding that you know i don't want people to have to experience uh you know what i went through or at least um if i can give them some knowledge that helped me along the way maybe that'll put them a step or two ahead of where I started out in, in being a caretaker for my family. Um, and of course, you know, that the, the, charities are just great, um, platforms to do that. Uh, I'm involved with, with a number that, um, deal specifically with cancer, uh, to help, you know, patients and caregivers and, and spread awareness. Uh, cause that to me is just extremely important now.
0: You know, I get probably everyone who listens to a program like this gets all sorts of, uh, approaches for charity giving and, Uh, certainly every year, probably since I was a kid, I've been getting mailings from the American Cancer Society. How do you determine if something's just a a big and cumbersome bureaucracy that eats money as opposed to organizations that actually accomplish something?
1: Sure. So, um, there's a little tool called charity navigator. You can see kind of the grades of of the charity. And what do I mean by grades? Well, how much of your dollar of your donation actually goes to the cause, um, Mm -hmm. Because obviously a charity, you know, they have staff, they have lights that they got to keep on. They have, you know, people that they have to pay. Um, And and a lot of that, you know, is not really known that well by the public. So you want to make sure that you're, you know, of course, dealing with a charity where a large portion of your donation actually goes to the cause. But then what is the cause? Um so as an example, mm-hmm. the Leukemia Lymphoma society, they have three main um, you know, components. They have advocacy, they have research, and they have you know patient care. So um those three causes is essentially where, where your dollar goes. Now, for me, one of the biggest um Um, uh, important um, aspects of of my donation is towards that research component. Um, They've just done a tremendous amount of research and and progressing uh, cures for not only blood cancers, but because blood runs throughout us, Uh, Many other diseases as well, such as bone cancer, breast cancer, liver cancer, etc. So for me, it was a very um, just, you know, almost a no brainer as to how well this charity was run, um, you know, what they're actually doing with those dollars. And then the progress that you could actually see, um, I saw it during my parents' diagnosis, Uh, you know, treatments that were not available initially were then in trial stage and then even you know during my parents' treatment uh, became you know at home uh, you know drugs or pills that they could take so seeing that progress was also um, you know pretty eye opening
0: now let me ask you when people get their diagnosis any family that they go into I, most families I find go into a, a time of chaos how do you advise people to stay sane? when everything's up in the air? I'm even wondering about uh, people who are running to doctors all the time. So do they remember to pay their bills? Do they remember to take care of the basics of, of human living? Like, how do you stay rooted and sane in the midst of a frightening and sometimes overwhelming diagnosis?
1: Sure, sure. So, um, you know, I'm sure you deal a lot of this, you know, with, with a lot of this, just being a pastor and, and yeah. you know, a spiritual leader. Um know i think the common thread is really anxiety right i mean people just Mm -hmm. don't know um you know or something's new to them it's very scary to them so the the anxiety level just builds um i always found that information um and and other people that can kind of listen and and either be a source of information or a shoulder to cry on is uh you know just a tremendous help and as it was for me um, again, you know, hearing terms and, um, uh, diagnosis that I just had no idea what they were, um, that was scary and you don't know what this means. And then you, you know, start to, you know, go on the the computer and research it yourself. And, um, as we all know, the information could be, you know, the the full spectrum, it could be a death sentence, or it could be extremely curable. Um, and, and what you want to do is just, you know, start to gather that information, talk to people, talk to physicians. Um, A piece of advice that was given to me a long time ago is that, you know, when I'm in the room with the doctor, uh, whether myself as the patient or if I'm there as a caregiver, um, the doctor is essentially being paid by our insurance. Um, So we're the client, they're the provider. Um, I'm going to get all my questions answered. Um, It's an intimidating uh you know uh dynamic oftentimes for people because of this new language that they're hearing. But um if you can gather information beforehand, if you can prepare yourself, ask the right questions, if you don't understand something, I'm sorry, doctor, can you explain that again to me so I understand it? Um that to me kind of reduced the anxiety level. So um, you know, if people can kind of go in there with that type of mindset, um, I always found that to be very helpful.
0: That's great advice, Scott. You know, uh, I'm thinking a priest friend of mine goes to the doctor and usually hears half of what's said. Even the idea you mentioned of either taping the conversation or having someone with you who can listen with you and explain later on what they thought they heard as opposed to what you heard alone in the midst of your confusion. Um, i got to ask a more spiritual question, if you don't mind. Scott Gaggerson our guest. Scott, when you go through these incredibly hard times, and you were terrific to your parents, you helped them both to go through this passage of life to death, But I'm just wondering, like, uh, they were good people, you're good people. Was there a period of time, maybe it even goes on, where you do much shaking of your fist in God's face to say, I'm not liking what you allowed to happen. I don't think God makes these things happen, but I think we can say, hey, you could have made it better. You know, you're God, after all. Did you go through any kind of time when you were ticked off at God for what happened?
1: Of course, of course. Yeah. Um, I, I, w- I wouldn't say that I was ticked off at God. I would say that I was just, you know, ticked off in general. And, and yeah. you know, I certainly asked the question, um, you know, in, in the back of, uh, of the cathedral as to, you know, why me, why us? And, you yeah. um, you know, I, I, Monsignor, I look back on that now, and uh, I've changed my um, my thought around that. I, I don't think that, you know, to your point, that that God necessarily does anything to us. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think is that, you know, God really just gives us all the tools that we need, and and you know, us mm-hmm. as humans, um, you know, we make of that what we will. Okay, so. Yeah. Um, you know, given these set of circumstances, you know, what did I do with it? What can I do with it? Um, can I, you know, allow it to bury me and, and, you know, be upset and depressed and, and, you know, not take care of my children or my career, mm. or, you know, can I turn it into a positive? Um, Cause uh, you know, you know, as well as I do that, you know, most people don't have perfect lives. You know, we don't get through this without any sort of tragedy or any sort of setback. So, um, I'm just a big believer that, you know, that can define us, not necessarily what the setback or what the tragedy is, but mm-hmm. how we deal with it.
0: Scott Gaggison's our guest. Scott is also, aside from being a, a wonderful financial guy and a wonderful son, obviously, is also a parent himself. So I'm wondering, w- with Jack, with Ella, these two beautiful children, have you figured out a right or wrong way to explain the mystery of, of sickness and death?
1: You know, it's tough. Um, you know, my, my, uh, my daughter, Ella, who's going to be nine, um, you know, she remembers full well when, when both of my parents got sick and, and ultimately their passing. Um, she doesn't like to talk about it. Um, it certainly has affected her. She knows that they're in heaven. We've, you know, certainly explained what heaven is, but, you know, for a young child, that's very difficult. She does attend Catholic schools, so she's getting, you know, you know, an education, you know, around that. And, you know, certainly, you know, we'll bring that home and answer questions. But, you know, it's interesting. There's, you know, we do little things like if we see, you know, uh a red cardinal, you know, fly across the backyard. Uh my mother um, you know, was a redhead. So we kind of uh you mm. know equate that sign as as you know in her memory. Um, um so they they understand what they can understand. And uh you know um we certainly try to uh to help them you know if they do have any questions but it's, you know, I'm 43 months senior, and it's still a mystery to me, right? <laughs> um, you know, so it's certainly, uh, you know, difficult waters to navigate with uh, with young children, but um, but they get it. Uh, to They know that they're not coming back, but they know that their memory and their spirit lives on.
0: And that they will see them again. Scott, I promise this will be my last question, but it's important, I think, for a lot of us, um, and actually as a priest, it happens to us too sometimes, less so now because of the the mess sometimes the church has made of its own situation but there certainly was a time where we were put on a pedestal and people just took what we said at face value didn't question us i'm kind of glad i think it's healthy that people are questioning the church about some things but i mention that because there are other gods in our culture and those gods are called doctors uh, were you intimidated by doctors when you needed them for your parents and what should be our disposition toward the doctor he's he's he or she is, is, is usually brilliant and informed, but they're also human and they can make mistakes. Uh, with two parents to care for and coming from a family of doctors yourself, how do you approach doctors? How should we approach doctors who care for the people we love?
1: Sure. So. Um... You know, again, you know, growing up in, in, uh, in a generational, you know, family involved with medicine, uh, you know, something that I was certainly used to. I remember going to my dad's office as a kid and, and, you know, just being around, you know, that environment, you know, consistently. Um, but to answer your question, even given that upbringing in my experience, I was absolutely intimidated, uh, you know, by doctors. Um, you know, and I think for my case, you know, oncology is a whole field of medicine in and of itself that, you know, is, is very confusing. And then, you know, of course there's, you know, other things that can happen in terms of general medicine from the effects of a cancer diagnosis. So, you know, cardiac issues, pulmonary issues, et cetera. I think, you know, to answer your question, how should we deal with this? Um, you know, it's a it's a very um, high anxiety situation um, because people are scared. Um people um you know, might not have a level of education that might be not uh, may or may not be on par uh, with the physician. So it could be very confusing and um and um, you know a lot of things can be misunderstood. Um I think just you know, understanding that, you know the 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 doctor-patient relationship, um, is exactly that. The doctor is there, he or she is there to, to help the patient, help the caregiver, okay? If the caregiver or the patient does not feel as though that they're being helped, you have to be your own advocate. Um, I, I think that's the biggest thing that I learned is that, um, you know, you use the term gods. I would not say that, um, um, but um, certainly people that we we look for for advice about our own lives and about our own well-being, you um, we put them on that proverbial pedestal so that whatever they say is law. Um, But that might not be the case because um, we tend to think that they are our advocates as patients and caregivers, but they're human. Um, They have 10 other patients to see in the next hour. They have to write up some reports. They have to call their wife back or their husband back. They have to get pick the kids up from soccer practice. So, yeah. you know, they have a lot of the same things going on that that we have as well. Um, So to be your own advocate, to have somebody there that could also act as your advocate um, is extremely helpful to say, I'm sorry, you know, Dr. So-and-so, I'm not understanding what you're telling me. Can you explain it in simpler terms? Or is there somewhere else that I can get this information? What other resources do you have for me that can help me explain this? Um, is there a social worker that I can speak to? Um, all of these things in uh, changing your mindset of being your own advocate and getting what you want out of that interaction is extremely important.
0: I'd like to thank Scott Guggerson for being with us. And uh, he, like our, my younger friend, Caro Scanio, has taken a horrible, tragic, heartbreaking situation and decided I'm going to do something so that others who suffer through what my parents did will suffer less. And uh, to take a negative situation and make it a positive is, is not something everybody can do. But, Scott, you've done that and you've helped many people already and will continue to. Thank you for being on the program. And thank, most importantly, for the way in which you took grief and disappointment and heartbreak and turned it into something life-giving. Uh, I wish every one of us faced with a similar challenge, would have the courage, insight, wisdom, and goodness of heart to do the same thank you so much Scott
1: thank you Monsignor for having me and and you know thank you for allowing me to spread this awareness I think it's so important and um, um great seeing you
0: as we end today's program I want to thank you all for being with us if you need to contact me you can reach me at personally speaking podcast at gmail.com we're also on Facebook at personally speaking with Monsignor Jim Masanti we're also now on Instagram at personally speaking podcast I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer. Personally Speaking, our producer is Lisa Jandavitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.